Okay, I heard some chuckles, so I take it that you've never been in a restaurant like that. Well, this series that we're starting today is titled, I Choose, and today we're going to talk about choosing uh, purpose over popularity. Imagine being so consumed with pleasing Jesus that the approval of other people doesn't mean so much to you. I want you to imagine what it would feel like uh, to wake up every single day with passion and purpose in your life, knowing deep down uh, that you are doing what you were created by God to do. Well, today I'm going to challenge you to choose purpose over popularity. Now, by default, the majority of people, including Christians, make the opposite choice. What do you think of me? Do you like me? If we know the purpose of our lives, we end up uh, experimenting with life and never do what we were created to do. Now, if you don't know the purpose of something, you could easily misuse it. Craig Groeschel gave a classic example of this. He had a crush on a neighbor girl who was a year older than he was. She came over to his house and saw his dad's athletic cup laying out. I mean, you all know what an athletic cup is? Okay, if you don't know what an athletic cup is, ask the person seated beside you, okay? Well, it's a protector, and his had blue foam inside uh, to cushion the blow. Now, it's for athletics. Um, it had holes in it so that it could breathe. The neighbor girl picked it up and said, wow, what's this? Well, Craig said he was mortified. He couldn't speak a word. Then she said without hesitation, oh, I know what it is. It's an oxygen mask. <laughs> now, how many of you can see where this is going? Okay, a number of you. Um, okay, so she raised it to her face and began <laughs> breathing in and out. Now, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you can misuse it. Now, here's the problem. Many of us don't know the purpose of our lives. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, uh, don't ask the thing. Ask the one who created the thing. But no, we go to the thing. We ourselves are things, and we go to the thing and we ask, um, hey thing, what do you think my thing is? Now, we, we do tend to do this. Tell me my purpose. Do you like me? Do you like my clothes? Do you like my hairdo? Do you like what I'm doing? Am I important enough? Do I fit in? Are we buddies? Are you following me on Instagram? Do we like each other? Do you like my new belt? Do you like my car? Do you like what I'm studying in school? Do you like my job? Do you like my house? Do you like my neighborhood where I live? Do you like the picture I just added to my Facebook page? And so 
Before long, without even knowing it, we literally are living for the approval of other people. We forget that God created us for a divine purpose, so therefore we should ask him. Now, living for the approval of other people keeps you, prevents you from the purposes of God. Now, the fastest way to forget what God thinks about us is to be obsessed with what other people think about us. As long as we're consumed with the approval of other people, we won't be living for the purposes of God. And so I want to challenge you today to make a choice because, in essence, who you are today is a sum total of all the choices that you have made in your life up to this point. Now think about that. As long as we are consumed with the approval of others, we will not be living for the purposes of God. Now, I want to look at an Old Testament example, and that's Moses. Moses was actually born as a Hebrew slave. Uh, At the time that he was born, uh, parents were commanded by law to put male children to death. The Hebrews were becoming such a large population that Pharaoh and the ruling party of Egypt began to get concerned that they might take over the country. So kill the male babies. But Moses' mother was not going to be any part of that because she respected God. And so she made this little boat, pitched it with tar, and put him in the bulrushes where Pharaoh's daughter was known to bathe. Well, sure enough, she finds him, and, uh, and she takes him home, and she basically uh, adopts him as her own. Uh, but then through providence, uh, Moses' mother was selected to be his caretaker. And so she instructed him during his childhood who he really was. And so he grew up knowing um, that, that he actually was one of the Hebrew slaves, uh, but had been given uh, the opportunities for a better life. Though he could have chosen a life of comfort, instead, Moses chose calling over comfort. Now, I want to read Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 26. Uh, Here's a New Testament perspective looking back at Moses in this period in his life. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to, to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now let's talk about the ordinary person and purpose. Most of us would describe us, ourselves as ordinary people. You know, extraordinary people are few and far between. Most all of us are ordinary. Well, first of all, let me take a moment and disarm and demystify 
uh, the word purpose because, you know, I think as, as a pastor uh, working with people for years, a lot of times people get all freaked out when uh, asked the question, uh, what is my purpose? And so uh, they're, they're afraid of God. They're afraid of, of what God might call them to do, what purpose he might give them. But I want you to understand that there, there's two categories of purpose, okay? There's capital P or big P purpose. Uh, why am I here? It's the big reason behind your life. Um, I think maybe uh, some people think, oh my, God's going to call me to be uh, a missionary uh, to a tribe of, of headhunters that believe in cannibalism, and uh, you know, I'm not really quite ready to do that. Or he might call me to be a preacher uh, or, or whatever. Maybe he's going to call me to cure cancer. Um, but I, I don't want you to focus on the capital P purpose uh, because that's not really what we're going to deal with today, although that's certainly a legit, legitimate uh, subject. Uh, I want you to think lowercase p purpose. Um, not just like the big one thing, but I want you to think about what happens day after day, moment after moment. You serve God's lowercase p purpose for that time. Uh, you might be talking to someone, and uh, maybe after the service, maybe this coming week, and, and they appear to be depressed. Okay, so God's purpose for you in the moment might be to speak to them and encourage them. It could be any number of things. Or you might run into somebody uh, this week who has uh, a specific need, and lo and behold, you're fully capable of helping out and meeting that need, and, and so you would do this. You may have a psycho boss. I won't ask how many of you have a psycho boss, but you might have a psycho boss um, and so you might wonder, well, wow, what am I supposed to do? Well, you're in the position that you are in order to pray for that psycho boss, okay? That's your small p purpose in that circumstance. Now, if you're 15 and you're just trying to pass algebra, then don't worry about what your big purpose in life is. Think about your lower case P purpose in that moment. You know, you're, you're, to, you're to pass this test, you're to pass this course and move on uh, to the next grade. Now, God leads us through multiple opportunities to exercise that small P purpose in our lives. Now, Paul calls this walking by the Spirit. The more you're in tune with God in prayer, then you're going to see areas where God wants you to be involved and he wants you to help. Uh, he wants to use you in those situations. And then one day when you've been faithful uh, in enough lower case P moments, uh, suddenly God begins trusting you with something uh, far greater. Because you're faithful in the small things, God will trust you 
with the big things. And so it's something that you grow into. Eventually, you will recognize, wow, for this I was created. And all of a sudden, you're going to, you're going to identify what your major pur- purpose in life is. But you need to, to understand that there is great power in purpose. And so I want us to talk about the power of purpose. First of all, purpose diminishes distractions. Now, the greatest distraction that we have in life uh, is, is comparing. That was kind of brought out. Uh, it was mentioned, anyway, in that video that we watched before the sermon. Um, you know, what do they think? What was she doing? Why am I not where they are? We compare. Well, she's already finished college, and I'm on the 11-year plan. Um, I may never finish college. He's got a better paying job than I do. All my friends are already married. They already own a home. I'm so far behind. Okay, this is the comparison game. This is a distraction. Purpose diminishes the curse of comparing. Now, one of my favorite uh, characters in the Old Testament is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was heartbroken. Um, He's been in captivity, and all of a sudden, Israelites are being allowed to go back to the promised land and uh, resettle the city of Jerusalem. All the walls have been broken down. The temple's been destroyed. And, and he goes back and he sees this is the way things are. And, and he really wa- he wants to do something uh, about it. You know, Jerusalem is in shambles. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you find yourself really upset about something, like I'm going to say righteously angry. Now, there's a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger I'm talking about righteous anger, well, that's a key that could be identifying your purpose. Well, in the case of Nehemiah, it certainly was. You know, he couldn't stand it. Uh, His thinking was, somebody's got to do something about this, and it, it may as well be me. And so he rallied the people together to do something that was considered impossible, and he's a great leader, and so they so they follow him. Now, he was on a ladder up against the wall. Uh, he's replacing stones, trying to rebuild the wall, working away, doing the job, when all of a sudden two enemies of, of God's plan named Sanballat and Tobiah came up and started shouting insults at him. Hey, this isn't going to happen. You're never going to get it done. You've got to stop. Hey, we're going to crush your people. This is stupid. It's an impossible dream. Now, how many of you know that whenever you start doing something for God, distractions tend to pop up? Now, if you paid attention, you'll you'll remember that. So here, Nehemiah is working away. He has voices of doubt and discouragement screaming at him. He looked down at them, and I love what he said back to them. Now, this is Larry's paraphrase. This is not an exact quote from Scripture. He said, I ain't got time for that. 
So Nehemiah knew that he was in a great work, uh, which was God's will. He did not care about their opinions. He refused to be halted in what he was doing. He was fulfilling God's purpose. He knew God wanted those walls rebuilt. Now, some of you need to internalize that and then let it become part of your inner talk. Now, you do have inner talk, right? I mean, I do. I talk to myself all the time. I talk through situations. I talk to other people a lot, too. But I, I talk myself through situations and what I ought to do, uh, you know, currently. Well, he's, he's talking. I'm doing this great work. This is what God has called me to do. You need to determine in your self-inner talk what it is that God wants you to do. It may not seem big now, but I'm going to be faithful in this thing, in this one thing. Over time, God is going to reward. I'm doing a great work. Nehemiah says, I can't come down. They just wanted to stop the work. That's all they wanted. And it is a fact. All of us will be distracted. I made a decision in my early teen years um, that I was going to answer what I considered God's call uh, to go into the ministry. I, I had a lot of influential people uh, around me. My parents, my grandparents uh, were, were dedicated people, so I really had a strong Christian background. Uh, growing up, I had uh, very influential preachers at that time in my life. And so as I went to high school at James Wood, um, one day I was called in by the guidance counselor, and uh, she was meeting with me to give me some, some guidance and to give me some advice for my future. And she said, well, Larry, you've got pretty good grades. She said, you can do almost anything you want to. And so I said, well, I'm going to be a preacher. Well, I don't think she knew what to say. I don't think she knew how to respond to that. I don't know that anybody else had ever told her that. Uh, she just kind of responded, oh. And uh, that was it. Well, I think she was going to make some other recommendations, uh, but she just dropped it. Well, while I was in high school, I ran track and cross country, and, and, and I was a decent runner. Uh, my junior year, I started out running the half mile. Now, notice um, this was before we got corrupted by the metric system. So it was the half mile. Um, and that was, my, that was my race. Every time I ran it, uh, my time was faster, so I, I, I never really peaked out. The season ran out uh, before, I, I think, before I ever ran my fastest time. Well, my senior year, I did this work program thing because I was going away to Bible college, and my parents weren't well off financially, and so uh, I had to, to work to help pay uh, the expenses of, of my, my college. And um, um, yeah, the, the coaches encouraged me, no, you know, to change and go back to a regular schedule and continue uh, running. Well, that was a distraction. And yes, it was, it was tempting, um, but I had to respond to my higher calling. 
Now, I don't know what that will be for you. Maybe your calling is to get out of debt. Well, that's a good, that's a good calling for sure. Um, you, know, you, you don't want to be in debt anymore. And so everybody's making fun of you at work. You know, why are you packing your lunch every day? Why don't you go out to eat with the rest of us? Um, why are you driving that old junker? Uh, and, and you don't have time for that. Uh, you're doing a great work. Or maybe your thing is, I'm staying pure uh, for marriage. Um, your peers say, well, that's so old-fashioned. Uh, why save yourself until marriage? You know, what are you thinking? Uh, I have a higher calling. I have a vision for something special, something different. Now, if you only want to be normal, and you only want to do normal, then you can do that. Or you can choose something better. Your choice. Next, purpose pushes you on through pain. There's always going to be pain in the choices you make. Purpose gives you motivation uh, to keep going even when things hurt. The pathway to your purpose is always paved with pain. Now, don't think you're an exception. It was true for Moses. It was true for David. It was true for Esther in the Old Testament. And it was true for Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it was certainly true for Jesus. Uh, so don't think you're an exception. Whenever you're doing what God calls you to do, your spiritual enemy will resist you. Yeah, he, he's going to put up some resistance. Um, and don't worry when you feel that resistance. But here's the thing. Be really concerned if you don't ever feel any resistance. Because that's a really strong indication that you're not, you haven't chosen to do the will of God. Well, when you choose to follow God's calling, people will not understand. Family won't understand. Your friends won't understand. Your co-workers won't understand. Your neighbors won't understand. Because with your purpose comes pain. Do what you do for the ultimate reward from God. Because the reward of God is much better than the reward of, of anybody else, certainly anybody in this world. There's greater value in serving God's purpose than living for the approval of people. Every now and then, people do take shots at you when you're trying to serve God. Purpose pushes me through any pain that I might endure. You know, I've got a higher calling. You know, that whole idea of, of pushing uh, makes me think of women having a baby. Now, haven't done it myself, but been there, watched Gina, and so I understand um, you know, you ladies are in pain, and the doctor and the nurses say, push, and that seems like an unnatural thing to do because the push always means more pain. Um, but then you have a baby, and then the baby was worth it. So purpose pushes you through the pain. 
You decided to have a child, now you have the child. When you recognize this is what I am supposed to do, critics can't stop you. Now this is a little p purpose moment, something that God has called you to do. Now, the next thing, the third thing, is purpose empowers you to please God. When you focus on purpose uh, rather than um, giving in to the pressures of others, like Moses tapped into this principle because he was serving God. He faced all sorts of opposition uh, from the Egyptians, his enemies, uh, from Pharaoh himself, and even from his own people who complained over and over again like nobody's business. But purpose empowered him to keep on going because he was pleasing God. In the New Testament, Peter and John and the other apostles were preaching Jesus. Religious leaders advised them to desist or quit preaching in Jesus' name. Uh, They were beaten and placed in prison, but they would not stop. And it's interesting to me that they were talking about that name, the name of Jesus. Now, 2,000 years later, the world doesn't want us teaching in that name, the name of Jesus. The issue, the real issue here is that that name is above every other name, and there is no other name whereby people can be saved, one day, the Bible tells us that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus, but the enemy is putting up resistance. Acts 5, verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, this is when they were confronted by the religious leaders uh, and were told to stop doing what they were doing, and they said, we must obey God rather than men. Now, the religious leaders obviously didn't like that response, but that was their response. We can't please everybody, but we can please God. Do you like me? Do you like my hairstyle? Do these jeans make me look fat? Do you still think I look good? Did you like my dinner? Do you like the car I drive? Do you like my picture? Why don't you follow me on Facebook and Twitter? Why don't you respond right away to my text? Why don't you hang out with me? Do you think my jokes are funny? Living to please people prevents you from fulfilling the purposes of God. We please God when we live by faith, which means we are obedient to the little P purpose moments in our lives. And we're faithful in the small things. We die to ourselves and we let Jesus live in us and through us. Living to please God means living like Nehemiah, in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. You know, your opinion of me really doesn't matter. You can make fun of me. You can laugh at me behind my back. 
You can call me whatever you want to. You can say I'm never going to amount to anything. Doesn't matter. Hebrews 11.26. Once again, he, he regarded disgrace, this is Moses, for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Were the treasures of Egypt worth a lot? Absolutely. They were worth something. But he says he was looking ahead to his reward. This is a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Is there value in being liked by people? Yeah. Of greater values to be loved by God. There is value in having fun with friends, but the greater value is being faithful to God. There is value starting something important, but the greater value is in finishing. There is value in comfort, but there's greater value in calling. There is value in being popular, but there's greater value in serving God's purpose. So therefore, be faithful in the moment. Now, if you're raising little kids, and you're up to your neck in diapers, wiping butts is all you seem to do, and you think, wow, you know, this is, a, this is a baby. I'll never see an adult. You know, this kid's never going to grow up uh, to become an adult. And so you, ne- you just need to tell yourself, I'm being faithful uh, in the moment. And this is a big thing that will pay off later because I'm serving God. God gave me this child. Little P, you know, lots of little P. And I mean P and poop. Um, Be faithful to God in the moment. Uh, The reward is coming. If you're getting out of debt and making sacrifices every day, people are calling you stupid. Why are you doing that? It's for the reward. The Bible says don't let any debt remain outstanding except the continual debt to love. You're doing this for, the, for a purpose. You're driven. God is calling you to do this. When you're fostering a child, it's the most rewarding and most challenging thing you will ever do in your life. You love it, but it's grueling. Purpose pushes you through the pain. In this moment, God has equipped you to make a difference in that child's life. And that purpose pushes you through the pain. When you serve Jesus and your friends make fun of you, why are you doing that? Why don't you come and party your brains out with us? They're going to laugh at you and they're not going to understand. Well, tell yourself, I can't please everyone, but I can please God. I'm doing what God has uniquely created me to do. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you make choices. As I said earlier, today you are the sum total of the choices that you made up to this point. The decisions that you make today will determine who you will become and what you can do tomorrow. 
you will have choices to make over and over. Are you living for others? Are you trying to please people? Are you trying to do something that will never, ever, that you'll never, ever achieve? Or are you living for the approval of God according to His purpose? We can't please everybody, but we can please God. We choose God's purpose over the popularity of people. We choose God's calling over our comfort. We lay down our lives to serve God, being faithful in the little purpose moments. Because when we're faithful in little things, God trusts us with big things. So, may God help us to choose purpose over popularity. We're going to sing our song of decision. We're going to give you the opportunity to respond. So let me invite you to stand. If you need to make a decision today, you can step out and come forward, and I'll meet you here at the front.